is up, Keith? How you doing? How you living? This is Austin Cunningham and Justin Treat of Talking Football, and we are back this week to discuss the week 11 of the NFL season. We're here. Treese went solo on the last episode, did phenomenal. Um, I went back and listened and had to stop it and give him a call and go, hey, uh, this has been fun doing this with you, but I'm pretty much out. I don't know how I can match up to that. How I can match up to that? I've gone solo twice. Didn't feel as comfortable as he appeared to sound. Um, and that's just kind of about it. So, Treese, other than rocking the solo cast, the podcast, there solo. How has your weekend and how has your week been? And kind of what was your initial reaction of watching Week Ten of the NFL season? Uh, thank you for the kind words. First off, appreciate that. Uh, overall, week's been good. I mean, yesterday college football. Rankings came out again. Utah moved up a spot without even playing, so you always like that. They're up to seven. Uh, I'm not right now currently writing an article on how, if you're ranked five through ten, how do you get into the college football playoffs? What needs to happen? So that's going to be dropping later this week for anybody that follows me on Twitter. Uh, you'll have to check, check that out. Um, the big news is my son today said his first word. What? Yep. What do you say? You know he said dad. No way. Did he really? Yep. Dude, that is awesome. Congrats, man. That's I'm I'm genuinely excited for you. That's awesome. Yeah, my wife's not happy about it. She really wanted nah. it. Um, but no, but she's actually she loves it. She's just like, he's been saying it for the last like 15 minutes. Like we I say it and then he says it. He's mimicking me and stuff. And I was like, that's awesome. So that's the big news for me this week. Other wow. than that, though, just like been I've been rewatching all the games that I already watched. I've watched almost every single game twice now, and <laughs> I'm like ready. I'm ready for week eleven. This is what happens when the Jags are on by. Like I start watching all these random ass games multiple times. I just need the Jags to be on TV again. They will be here soon. Uh, they play. It's, it's Sunday game, right? They're not playing Monday night or Sunday night. Correct. Yeah, that's right. They don't have prime time. Uh, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that as a jab. But you know, <laughs> you've said it enough yourself. Wow, dude, that's awesome. I'm happy Miles is saying dad. That's cool. Uh, you know, maybe throw in like Austin, like see if you can get, yeah. get get that out there. At least an AC or something soon, for sure. For AC. sure. I, um, I'll, take it. I'll 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 cry if I get a video like that. Man of many <laughs> nicknames, which we were just talking about. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I mean, I think everybody wants to hear about your amazing weekend. So why don't you dive into that for a few minutes? Um, okay. You're pretty wild. So Thursday, Thursday morning, I pack my bags, head to work. I say, screw this. I'm leaving early about two o'clock, hit the road to old Joplin, Missouri, get in an infinity tank with Matt and Mello. And we start making our way down to Arkansas. Uh, we enjoy about a four hour car ride there. We stay at the hotel, wake up the next morning and we are on our way to Alabama. We arrive Friday afternoon, Friday evening, we go out and eat with Mr. Adam Kramer, who is a college football writer for Bleacher Report, um, has a lot of awesome articles, writes very good content, interviews, a lot of coaches, has a lot of stories, um, some that, Treese, I would like to discuss with you off air. Um, if you're interested, I think you would be uh, thoroughly. But it was really cool to just kind of hear these stories and like see these guys talk because you know it's been a while since they've really seen each other too. Uh, Friday night was fun. And then we go to bed about mm, 11 to 30, 12 o'clock, Mel and I do. Uh, we're kind of the roomies. I'm on this pull-out, this pull-out bed from the couch. 
Um, I slept beautiful with the bar right in the middle of my back. And I wake up at prime 5.30 in the morning, get showered, ready to go, and we are on our way to Tuscaloosa for the Alabama LSU tailgate. And while we're there, we have several guests, several guests come in. Mr. Nagy, the executive director of the Risa Senior Bowl, Jim Nagy, he comes in. Jacob Hester, legend running back with LSU, the last white guy, the last white running back in the SEC to rush for 1,000 yards. Uh, whether he says it out loud or not, that's something he is thoroughly proud of. They interviewed Adam Kramer. And then last but not least, here comes Mr. Landon Collins waltzing up. He's got about four cameras on him. Uh, apparently, he's got his own YouTube documentary thing going on. So they're all there. This dude, like, just appears out of, like, a mass of people. And I'm like, wow. Like, that's fucking Landon Collins. So they do the interview. Really nice guy. He gets up. And I was I had asked Matt Mello beforehand. I was like, hey, like, I know I'm usually the one taking pictures here. But can, like, I get in this photo? And they were just like, yeah, duh. Like, that's fine. So, well, I go to take the, the, fo- I take the photo of them. And I get ready to hop in. And I just see, like, all these little kids come running up. And they're like, Mr. Collins, Mr. Collins, can we get a picture? Like, can we get a picture, please? And I was like, man, I'm not about to be this guy that comes in and is just like, hey, let me get a picture before the kids. So I didn't get my picture, but I got to dab him up. I was like, hey, man, nice to meet you. Great interview. Thanks for stopping by, all that. And about that time is when I realized this dude's eye level with me. I'm kind of wider, and I know I'm heavier than him, but I, it was just in the back of my mind. And Teresa, I was telling you this before we hopped on. I was like, if I somehow would have made it in the NFL with any bit of talent that I had, maybe potentially as a tight end, and I know that if I'm running a route across the middle of the field and that ball is thrown, and I just know there's a Landon Collins-type guy behind me that's about to just take my head off because he's got a free shot. Whether I'm a defenseless receiver or not, I don't think they fucking care. It's just like, that guy's got a big frame. I'm going to smack the shit out of him. If I'm knowing that I got Landon Collins behind me, I don't think I'm catching that ball because that's a big side of a bitch. And that really just kind of shined a light in my eyes on like, Hey, these guys are a different level. And like I, when I dabbed him up, I was like, man, this guy's hand is huge. And then like, you know, when you dab someone up, it's kind of like that little half hug or whatnot. And so like when you pat him on the back, it was like hitting this fucking table, like just rock hard. And like that thought went through my head again. I was just like, there ain't no way I would have made it. (laughs) Like, that guy is big. He's strong. He's got fucking. He's just a massive dude. Cool, cool experience. But golly, these guys in the NFL—they you don't realize how big or small or strong they are until you see them in person. There's some guys you see and you're like, oh shit, like he played in the NFL. Okay, cool. And then you see a guy like Landon Collins, and you're going, okay, it makes sense on how you played at Alabama and that you're in the NFL and one of the highest paid safeties. It was really cool to just kind of meet an NFL player again in that situation, knowing that you know is still playing in the NFL. Um, that was just really, really cool for me personally. I was speaking of another really cool personal moment. Um, and Trace, I wish you could have been here to meet him, but it was it was getting to meet Kevin Williams, one a guy that is always hitting us up on Twitter, you know, always participating in conversation, listens to all of our episodes, is a great talk. I mean, hell, he's got it in his Twitter bio. And this dude drove nine hours to meet me, to hang out at the Stick to Football tailgate. He stayed and partied. He couldn't drink. He couldn't even drink because he had to drive back. But this dude drove nine hours to meet us and hang out. And then when the game started, drove back. Um, And I didn't get to say it to him there. Um, And once he left, I kind of felt bad. But 
it was awesome getting to meet him. Uh, personally, I didn't know how to react to it because I don't feel like I've ever had someone drive to meet me um, or, I don't know, per, like somewhat, I guess, be a fan. So that was different. So I hope I wasn't, I didn't come off rude or project in a negative way because that's not what I tried. I just didn't know how to react to it. Like, I'm just trying to be honest. But it was awesome. It was great. Kevin's a cool dude. He's got his own podcast, The Sports Rig. Um, him and his buddy Chris, they got a really good thing going there. So if you guys haven't listened to that yet, definitely go check it out. Um, like I said, it was great getting to meet him. He did have one beer with us, I believe. I don't know if he made it two or not. But this dude turned around, drove all the way back home, said to his wife, hey, probably, probably not going to come see you this weekend. I'm going to go to Alabama on a tailgate. From his reaction, he didn't necessarily say it, but you could just kind of tell when he was talking about it that she probably wasn't pretty happy with that. So uh, I definitely got to give a, even a bigger shout-out to that. It was just like, hey, I'm willing to get an ass chewing to come hang out with some boys, and it was cool. So I cannot wait till Mobile. Trees. I can't wait for you to meet him. You'll really like him. He's a cool guy. He's got good questions. Um, and I don't know if he realizes this, but we found the tailgate at the same time. Because, like, when you arrive in Alabama, you like, you got to drop everything off at the quad, and then you got to go find a fucking parking spot. And then from the parking spot, you got to find a way back to the tailgate. And that's when everything was just hectic. Uh, Mr. Trump being there, the president, really kind of rattled some things. A lot of people were just like, hey, you know, it's usually like this or that. But because the president's here, um, a lot of things are cleaned up. There was, like, uh, <clears throat> what is it, Secret Service had replaced, like, all the security around the stadium there were like just random police, like mobile police tents, like security ones that had like all tinted windows that were just kind of displaced um, around the quad is where the tailgate area was. So it was kind of strange just randomly seeing that because, you know, there's just so much more security. But the atmosphere of the game was still present. And that's what made it really cool. Um, everyone kind of kept to themselves tailgate wise. So that was different. You know what I mean? Like sometimes when you go to tailgates, everyone's just kind of like mingling together. Like Chiefs, like Chiefs games, if you're tailgating next to someone, you're most likely going to be taking shots or drinking or shotgunning with them about midway through the tailgate. Here, it was just, it was different. Like everyone is used to doing their own thing with their people. So you could kind of tell that and feel it. So it was just a little different. But SEC Network was there, of course. They were right across the street. College Game Day was right around the quad from us. Um, and then Alabama's band, I didn't realize they did this. They stand on the li the steps of the library and they play, um, and everyone watches it. They're really fucking good. That was cool. I tried to take a video, but I was plastered drunk and really had to pee. So it was more of just like a quick walk by video. I didn't post it anywhere because it's kind of bad. Trees, I'll show it to you. But I mean, I literally was like, Hey, that's cool. Look at that band. I was like, fuck this. I'm about to piss my pants. And I just walked by a quick video, ended it and just like went pee. And that was about the gist of it, because by the time I waited in line, pissed, and came back, the band was gone, and the game was starting. So that's pretty much how my weekend went. On the way back, we stopped in Memphis. That was pretty cool. Memphis is neat. Beale Street. Trace, have you ever been there? I don't know if you have. No. Um, Beale Street's pretty cool. It's literally, they, they have the street closed. Like, you, don't, you can't drive on it, but it's nice brick road. You can walk in the middle of it. It's like Nashville. It's got that kind of feel to it. You can definitely tell it's a nightlife street city atmosphere. And there's just jazz. There's blues and jazz, and it was great. I would love to kind of go there and spend a weekend just to really see what Beale Street is like at night. During the day, though, I mean, you can just tell it's a nighttime life. So during the day, it's just kind of like dead and blah, and it's a Sunday afternoon. No one's really planning on going drinking on Beale Street Sunday afternoon. Probably praising God. So 
That's what that is. After that, drove back to Joplin, made my trek from Joplin to Kansas City. I got home about 1.30, got up, went to work Monday, and I have been trying to recover ever since. And here we are on Wednesday, ready for next Sunday. That, that was my weekend and my experience in Alabama. That sounds like a hell of a time. That, that's very, a good, it was. That was a great five-minute recap. Like that really was. That was a lot of information and a lot of jealousy of us missing out on all the fun times you got to have. I only took five minutes? Yeah. Okay, I felt like I was talking for a really long time. Nope, it was five minutes. So you also, um, I need to clear something up, you son of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> when I started the last episode... Uh, it was Treese going, hey, it's me today. Austin's in a great trip in Alabama. Uh, something I need to talk about because he is a Texas fan cheering for LSU but wearing an Alabama sweatshirt. And I was like, how the hell did he see that? Because every picture that I posted, uh, I made sure I had my black coat on because I didn't want to hear from anyone on my social media because I was pretty evident on cheering for LSU during the week. And then I look at Matt's Instagram and Melo's Instagram and then the Twitter, and I'm like, these sons of bitches got me. <laughs> like, I had gotten really hot in the afternoon because the sun was just bearing down. I was like, I got to take this fucking coat off. And lo and behold, there's that Alabama sweatshirt. And here's the thing. I don't have any LSU gear. I got some Texas gear, but I can't wear – I'm not going to be that guy that wears a school or a uniform to an event where it's not – where that team or franchise is not playing. Like, I'm not going to be that douchebag. And then you're not going to find any LSU gear – in the middle of Alabama, you're hardly finding any Auburn gear. Like someone said War Eagle at one point, and I'm like, well, like what the f- like Tuscaloosa's like right to like five minutes to my left. What are you saying War Eagle for? Like just quit being an idiot. Like you could just tell they were trying to piss people off because I was in the Alabama sweatshirt. <laughs> I almost just looked at him like like throw up the L like go LSU and I was like, fuck, like I'm in the sweater, can't do that. So it was different. I wasn't going to find any LSU gear. They were like, hey, just get a sweatshirt, blend in, like have fun, interact with people. I was like, you got it. And so now I have somewhat of a nice Nike Alabama sweatshirt. And that's about the gist of it on why I wore an Alabama hoodie cheering for LSU being a Texas Longhorns fan. You son of a bitch. Yeah, that doesn't make sense to me. But all right, cool. (laughs) What would you have worn? I would have worn probably just like a Nike hoodie, like a sporty type of look. Didn't have one. They were all Alabama. There wasn't anything in that store that wasn't plastered with an A on it. You don't have stuff just like at your house that you could have traveled. I didn't want to take my own stuff. I wanted something new. I wanted to feel fresh. Okay. I mean, I will say I like the gray because it's a gray Alabama hoodie. It it is a nice hoodie. It's a comfortable hoodie. Yeah, it's nice. It's very nice. Um, we'll see how many more times you wear that outside, though. Yeah, I know. That was the other thing. <laughs> it's just like, I'm probably not going to wear this again. But that, that's, a, that's a hoodie that you wear on a Sunday afternoon in your house. Exactly. Yeah, that's fine. You can send it to me if you, if you don't want it. Uh, it might be too big for you, dude. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. What size do you wear? I'm just kidding, dude. I wear a medium. Jesus, you wear a medium? Yeah. Yikes, bro. I remember when I was in fifth grade. Dude, we've already had this conversation. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, think, I, know. I, think when, I think when I meet you, like, so everybody, <laughs> I think I've said this, but I can't remember. Like, Austin and I have never met in person. Uh-huh. Like, so when we meet at the Senior Bowl, 
Like, I think it's going to be this awkward, like, Jesus, you're, you are fucking six foot four. Like, you keep telling me this, but you're always sitting down at a chair when we're podcasting, so I can't tell that you're really that tall. Yeah, uh, I mean, have you seen half the people I hang out with? <laughs> like, no. I don't think you, your size or whatever is going to be any different, unless you show up being shorter than Mellow. I don't, know Matt, how, me. I don't know how tall they are. 5'10". I'm 5'10". If you ask Mellow, or if you ask Matt on a good day, he's probably six foot. He, he's He's not. Okay. Uh, well, then, then we'll probably be about, me and Matt will probably be about the same then. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that, though. Nothing wrong with that. No, I'm happy with it. Yeah. We're good. We're cool. fine. All right. Um, we are 15 minutes into this episode, and we have yet to start talking about the games. Well, we're talking about college, so let's just kind of go ahead and keep going on with that. All right? We're on the college realm. That's what we're going to do. This is fucking talking football, and college football is a part of that. Okay. There's a lot of tradition there. There's a lot of rich tradition. Um, and there's a hell of a lot of money. Let me t- let me tell you that. Because when you're at Alabama tailgate, boy, that money is flowing. Let me tell you. Uh, they got like 70-inch TV screens in their tailgates. It was ridiculous. Um, but we're going to stick to the college football in general. This last weekend, LSU beating Alabama kind of changed up the rankings. Some teams moved up. Trees already mentioned it. Utah moved up. Minnesota upsetting Penn State. Um, and so what was a blowout fashion before Penn State kind of started making somewhat of a comeback. I didn't watch a lot of the games, but I was able to keep up with it. Oklahoma almost losing. That was a big one. They they did not lose. They almost did. They won yeah, by two. One. They won by, by one. one. That's right. I Iowa fell asleep. State, yeah, Iowa right State when, two. Right when, oh, right when Iowa State got the interception after they were down seven, my body was like, it's time to go to bed, and I blacked out um, from just being so tired. So I had missed the end of that game, but you're right. So back to college football. Here we go. The Heisman. Who are our top candidates? Treese, I'm going to let you go first on who are your top three candidates for Heisman as of right now. All right. So last week, number one was Justin Fields for me. Uh, he- it cannot be anybody but Joe Burrow at this point. LSU quarterback, uh, it's his to lose at this point. So he did jump up to number one for me. I do still have Justin Fields at number two. And then I actually have Jonathan Taylor at number three right now. I think that the way his schedule lines up as well, like he has some big games remaining, one of them being against Minnesota the last week of the season. So I think that if a couple more big games from him, I wouldn't be surprised if the Heisman say uh, voters say, Hey, let's get somebody other than a quarterback in for this. Since they always bring three to new, what is it always New York or do they switch that up? It's always New York. I, right? I believe it's still New York. Yeah. Still New York. Um, so um, I think they'll want to try to get somebody other than a quarterback there, but really it'll be the Joe Burrows versus Justin Fields matchup is basically what it's going to be in my eyes. Yeah, and I completely agree with you. Joe Burrow, I mean, he had his Heisman moment when he takes that draw or the you know the read option there. Makes the right read, whether it was drawn up just as a QB draw. He makes his move, gets the first down, continues up down the field. He has that moment, points for the first down. That is the moment of his season that kind of solidified his run as a Heisman candidate and the potential winner. Justin Fields is having a fantastic season as well, leading Ohio State. And then my last guy that I have is someone who just keeps improving every game and continues to keep having 
those moments of catching the ball in a situation, looking like he can't escape, breaks three tackles, and then gets a touchdown. And that's CeeDee Lamb. He is a very physical receiver. He's got good hands. He's a good route runner. And he's hard to tackle. I mean, we saw it in the Texas game. We saw it against Iowa State as well. He is a guy that's going to keep climbing up boards. And I think he has an opportunity to be invited to New York for at least this presentation of the Heisman. I don't know if he wins, but I think that's an interesting name to keep an eye on for the Heisman candidacy. I love it. I love it. All right. So let's do this. Um, number one pick is most likely going to be the Cincinnati Bengals at this point with all the other teams winning and them continuing to lose. You're the Bengals GM. Who are you taking with the number one overall pick? So if I'm the GM and I get through free agency, let's say I find a quarterback. All right. Let's say I find someone to be the quarterback for the team for just kind of another year to really just finalize out the roster. I'm taking Chase Young. I took a pause there because I don't know if I was set on it, but I am. Like, if you're the number one pick and you have Chase Young sitting there and you can get a quarterback in free agency, why pass up Chase Young? You can put him on the defensive line with Hubbard, another Ohio State guy, and you could just let them rush from the edge. Chase Young is a freak athlete. We have seen him just absolutely destroy the world of college football this season. Um, these allegations that came out or him getting suspended for accepting a loan, uh, whatever the actual story is within it, you know, he is a clear candidate for the number one pick. And I think he stays there no matter who the number one team is making this pick. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with Joe Burrow because I'm going to assume that they're not going to find a quarterback in free agency. Obviously, if they did, then I would shift my gears to exactly what you're saying, which is Chase Young. So... Totally agreed there. All right, last one here. College football. If we came to you and said, hey, Austin, fuck the committee. They no longer exist. You are the committee. Who is the who is your final four if you had to choose right now college football playoff started next weekend? If I had to say, fuck everyone else, fuck the committee, I'm picking the top four. I'm going LSU one, Ohio State two, Clemson three, and we have the same one through three, and the number four is where we're different. I'm taking Georgia. I think they're a team that has improved. They have that loss, but they're going to win out. They'll be fine. They get to the big or the SEC championship game. They win that as well. Boom. Er, I guess they're not going to Ooh. Yikes. I might have fucked myself here. <laughs> yeah, but like, like that's. That's long. That's long term, right? I'm saying if the season ended right now. You're right. You're right. We we sorry. We just spent like 20 minutes before this discussing the potential of any team going in the top four, and I am just flabbergasted with teams, schedules, possibility, potential of this or that. So my top four right now: LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, and Georgia. That's where I'm at. Okay, I am. LSU one, Ohio State two, Clemson three, and I still have Alabama four. Alabama's only loss is coming to LSU. Who is the best team? I mean, Georgia, that was just a, an awful loss to South Carolina at home. Mm-hmm. And then obviously we've got the Pac-12 teams following up right after that, which is going to be a huge showdown. Like Austin said, we just went over this. There are literally 12 teams that have a way of getting in. 
some way or another without it being like ridiculously crazy. Like it's just a few games here and there that need to fall their way. Um, again, I'm writing an article on it. You guys will see it all later on. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to read this article and go through it and then share the living shit out of it. Cause I think this is going to be an article that no one else is really, that no one else is really writing. <clears throat> so I think it's going to do a lot better than maybe you're thinking it will. So I'm excited to see it just explode possibly so we'll see but i think that's it for college football this week i mean the next couple weeks i think we'll talk about it a lot more because it's going to get really crazy once we're down to the final week of the season and then you got the championship games and that's when the real case chaos is going to begin you're absolutely right so like you said that's it for college football for now it's about to get hectic now we are on to week 11 of the NFL season and what we really think is going to take place tonight. The Browns are playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is going to be a game of who wants it more, right? The Steelers are on a roll. Their defense is looking great. Mika Fitzpatrick was worth the draft picks that they traded. Uh, Baker Mayfield decided to maybe throw the ball in better oper- like better situations, put the ball in better places. The play calling looked better. They dispersed the ball a lot. Kareem Hunt playing last week, I think, helped them quite a bit. But week 11 is starting tonight with the Pittsburgh Steelers traveling to Cleveland where the Browns are favored by three. Treese, who do you initially have winning this game against the spread? Steelers. Uh, I'm actually very, very surprised the Browns are three-point favorites. I know they're at home and coming off of a big win against the Bills, but the Steelers, man, they're on a roll. They jumped up dramatically in my power rankings. I think they ju- jumped up six spots this week just by with another win. They're just looking very, very solid. So I am going with the Steelers to continue that and – try to fight for that last playoff spot. I, I, I'm i with you there as well. They had quite the jump in my rankings as well. Um, the guy that really stood out was James Washington. And, of course, he does after I released him off my fantasy team. He wasn't doing shit. I was like, that's it. I'm tired of him just taking up space. He's gone. And in the last two weeks, he's just erupted, and someone else picked him up, and he's doing well for them. So good for him and good for them. Uh, I'm also going to take the Steelers here. Right, the Browns are favored by three. The errors that we've been seeing Mayfield make all year is just going to be exploded even more from this defense who is just on a roll. That pass rush is there. The linebackers are good. And then the secondary or Minka Fitzpatrick alone is just playing out of his mind. So I am taking the Steelers as well. And now we will get to our player prop bet where Mayfield is predicted here to have 226 passing yards. Trees, I'll go first. I, I'll take the under here. I don't think um, that he will get that 226. If he does, it's going to be garbage yards in the fourth quarter. But at that point, I don't think it's going to be enough. The Steelers, like I've said numerous times here, are on a roll of kind of having everything figured out and rolling their way. Uh, this one's tough because I actually agree with you, but I'm, I actually think that he does get it because of garbage time points. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the over. I don't feel great about it, but I'm gonna take the over. The next one is gonna be Nick Chubb at 86 rushing yards. We had a little side bet last week with Kareem Hunt and his touches. You put the over under at 11, didn't you? Or did you settle at seven? We settled it at seven. And I said under. Yeah. Or did I say over at seven? 
I think you said over at seven, right? Yeah, uh-huh. that's right. You because you said yeah, I think he just gets right over seven. What so, did he have? Eleven. Son of a bitch! Look at you go. <laughs> What's up, bookie? What's up? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't I don't remember the stats off the top of my head, but it was it was kind of nice to see Kareem Hunt get involved in an offense. But Nick Chubb, dude, just had a stellar day as well. Um, so I'm taking the over. I think they just continue to feed him the ball. Uh, when you're spreading it between him and Hunt, the defense has pretty much picked your poison in that situation. And Chubb's going to have an explosive play throughout the game. And there's big moments that will just keep happening for him. So I'm taking the over. I also am taking the over. I think that they're going to just continue to use Cream Hunt as a wide receiver. He lined up as a wide receiver on like five or six routes on Sunday. Caught and then got passed to him three of those times. So I think they're going to continue, continue to do that. They used him when they had two backs, and when they were going with a fullback, they treated him as a fullback sometimes. And uh, I think Hunt's happy with kind of being this like swift army knife and just letting Chubb be the guy, the running back for this team. So I think for sure he's going to get over that 86 yards and try to win that AFC rushing title because he right now he's leading the way. Absolutely agree with you there as well. Um, OBJ, 64 yards for 64 receiving yards, of course. Um, he kind of got his targets last week, which was nice to see. They finally just getting the ball to him. Like they made it, they made an effort to get him the ball, spread the ball around. I felt like May- Mayfield did well in that situation. So I'm going to take the over here. I think OBJ gets over the 64, and our next one is Landry at 59. I'm going to say he has an under. I. There's a part of me that wants to flip-flop that, but that's that's what I'm going to say. I think this is an OBJ game. Uh, I'm going to take the the I'm going to take the over on OBJ and the under on Landry as well. So we're going to be identical there. So with the Browns, the only one we have different is I went over for Mayfield, and you went under. Yep. Good, good, good. Now we are going to the Steelers, where Mason Rudolph is set for 242 passing yards, and after. Watching what he did on Sunday, I'm going to take the over. That relationship between him and James Washington is coming back from the Oklahoma State days. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster making an effort on getting him the ball early. He said that in the press conference, like, hey, like that's my focus is to get Juju the ball and get him involved, and then it opens up everything else. I think he does that, and so I'm taking Rudolph for over 242. I'm going to take the under. I don't think that he has 242 passing yards. Wow. Really? Against that defense? Yep. The secondary? Yep. Ooh. Hey, it's going to be interesting. going to be interesting. It uh, is. James Conner, Mr. Two First Names, set for 63 rushing yards. I'm going to take the over as well there. Uh, we've seen what Conner's done this season. This passing or the rushing defense for the Browns, it's okay. It's not the best. I think Conner finds a way to get over that 63-yard mark. Yeah, I'm also going the over here. My only worry is Connor has missed the last two weeks with an AC injury. This is his first game back. Does it affect him or anything? But he's been a full participant in practice every day this week, so I feel confident that he'll be able to survive the game. So I also will take the over. The next one is Juju at 54 receiving yards. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna smash the over for all of the pits for all of Pittsburgh. GG 54 receiving yards over James Washington, 39 receiving yards over that Pittsburgh offense is, I mean, Pittsburgh, the Steelers are figuring it out. They are hitting their stride right now at this point of the season. Um, and I'm excited to see them eventually land in the playoffs. 
I'm going to take the under on Juju, but I'm going to take the over on James Washington. And James Washington was at 39 yards. I don't think we ever said that. 39 receiving yards. So There we go. There so we there go. is the Thursday night matchup. We have How many teams do we have on bye this week? We just got four. Um, yep. <clears throat> not as many teams as last week, which was what we what did we have? What did we say? Six? Yep. Okay, so we are kind of getting back to that normal schedule. We only have two more weeks of buys, and then everyone is back to playing every week. So that's awesome for us. This next matchup on Sunday is a Dallas Cowboys favored by three traveling to Detroit. Dallas cannot be happy with the way they lost to the Vikings. Um, they are looking good. The Lions, I don't know if Matthew Stafford is playing again this week. I think he's out. Uh, he was week to week. Uh, I haven't heard if he's actually playing or not. Why don't you keep talking and I'll look this up right now. Sounds great. So the Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott. Um, yeah, he's got a new meme video to him. You know, opening up his hips pregame with that. I had called it on Twitter like, hey, this is going to be the meme video that just kind of ends the year. And I absolutely love it. I said someone put Christmas music to that. Uh, someone already had. It got 5,000 tweets. And like within the 20 minutes of me going, hey, someone should do this. Some people are really quick at it. So props to that guy. I don't know who it was. But that's what happens. And then whatever Dak did, I haven't noticed him do it before or seen anything. But, man, it paid off because he was zipping the ball all over the field. Um, it comes down to a close game. I don't like what they called there on that fourth down. I mean, you're running an out route to Zeke. Like, why? Like, you've had this good of a game with Dak to his receivers. Gallup's had a good game. Cooper's had a phenomenal game. Um, Cobb had a good catch in the end zone. Like, Dak is like on a roll. He threw a good ball to Zeke. It's just, I mean, you're throwing an out route to a running back with a linebacker that's also having a good game. And Ken is Kendricks, correct? Yeah. Like, I just, I didn't agree with that situation. You could have done more. Zeke, we really haven't seen much. He gets paid this money, and they're really not involving in the offense. I understand you're down, but then you have Dak performing this well, and he's not getting paid either. Like, the Cowboys, they're just rolling. They're looking good, so I think they just blow out the Lions in this game. I mean, you're favored by three. I'm there. I'm honestly, or I'm favoring them by, like, ten this game, personally. Uh, I am as well, and it looks like uh, Stafford did not practice again this week, or today being Wednesday. So, um, I mean, it is what it is on a Wednesday. He can sit out there. And if he comes in Thursday, Friday, he could be playing. But I kind of don't think he plays again. So, and I just don't think Jeff Driscoll is going to be able to carry this team to a win against the Cowboys. And the Lions basically don't have any more running backs on this roster. They no. are just like, <laughs> they are so injured. Um, actually, uh, Something I want to clear up is, which I just didn't realize that he got picked up. Last episode, I was talking about how Mike Davis would be a perfect fit for the Lions. I didn't realize that he actually had gotten picked up the day before. Like, it just slipped <laughs> through the cracks. I was like, oh, shit. No. Really? Huh. So, he actually got picked up by the Panthers to back up Christian McCaffrey. Great pickup by them. If McCaffrey ever needed a break or they wanted to lower his ridiculous 26 touches per game down to 21, 22. Like, Mike Davis can be a perfect compliment to him. So, good for the Panthers there. But back to this game, yeah, I think that Dak just has his way. And I think Zeke has his way. We've talked about how this this Lions defense just isn't what we expected it to be this year. Um, and so, yep, that's where I'm going with. Awesome. Um... Where was I at here? Uh, the Where Bills. The Bills and Dolphins. I don't know why I just all of a sudden just like zoned out there. Uh, the Buffalo Bills are favored by five and a half traveling to Miami. Um, this is going to be one of those games where 
I think we say the Bills should blow them out, but there's just something about Miami kind of getting things rolling. Like, I mean, they won the last two games. They beat the Colts, a team that has been running over everyone, a defense that has been better. And then the Dolphins find a way to win. A team that is trying to lose finds a way to win. Uh, Teresa, you've been saying that they find they if they find a way to accidentally win two games. I think they win like three or four. I'm not picking them here to cover. I'm picking the Bills. <clears throat> I'm not going to be that guy that says I'm not picking the the Dolphins and then loses that bet anyways because he didn't pick them and then picks them and he loses again. So I'm just sticking with the Bills. I'm done with the Dolphins. <clears throat> I can't trust them. I'm not going back and forth. Yeah, the Buffalo. The Buffalo guys, the guys in blue and red and white in New York, I think they win in Miami. Uh, so do I. I'm, I'm also taking the Bills. I think the Bills understand that they these are the type of games that they have to win down the stretch for them to make the playoffs. Like it's These other teams are going to slowly catch up to them, and you you can't let a team like the Jets or the, or the Dolphins beat you. You have to beat those type of teams. Uh, I think that... Singletary's now been back for a couple games. I think they really just get him rolling in this game. I big big Devin Singletary game. Um, another name that I want to throw out there, John Brown. Um, he had quite the game last week and the week before. Like he had a lot of like clutch catches from Josh Allen. Um, it's nice to see him healthy in a season this experienced in the NFL. Um, he is a local hometown guy here. Um, from my hometown, he's not from my hometown, but he played at the University of Pittsburgh State Gorillas. Uh, they're D2 school, so it was nice to see him go to Arizona, succeed, go to Baltimore, face injuries, and now he's in Buffalo, and he's doing well. He's looking great. He's running good routes. He's fast. He's reliable. Um, so it's really awesome to see that. That's a, a name to keep an eye on uh, if you're watching this game between the Bills and the Dolphins. Uh, our next matchup, and Trish has something he wants to throw out there. Sorry, I, I totally agree with you on John Brown. He's had over 75 receiving yards in four of the last five, and it's going very unnoticed. So I totally agree with you on that one. Oh, now you want me to talk again? Yeah, that's it. Sorry about right. that. I, lo- I love that finger wave. Of, hey, to our next matchup. <laughs> uh, I got something to say, says Trish. <laughs> <laughs> All right, our next matchup, now that I have been given the clear, the Denver Broncos are traveling to Minnesota to face the Vikings, where they are favored by 10.5. Uh, the Vikings are favored by 10.5. The Broncos are coming off a bye, I believe, um, with a, a new starting quarterback, Mr. Brandon Allen out of Arkansas, and then a running game where I think they've reconfused themselves on their play calling. Uh, Cortland Sutton has definitely emerged as a number one wide receiver for them, which is good. And their defense kind of looks like it's putting everything together, right? Simmons, the safety, is looking good. That's It's Simmons, correct? It yes. is. Simmons is looking like a pretty good safety, um, a good leader of that secondary. Vaughn Miller's kind of getting everything rolling again. Um, this is just a game where I watch the Vikings beat the Cowboys and then the Broncos. I just have an uneasy feeling. So I think the Vikings win but I have the Broncos covering. I don't think enough people know about Brandon Allen. He is a guy who has been around football his entire life. He understands situational football. That's something you heard people talk about on the broadcast where that's where he excels, and he excels in those situational uh, positions. He knows what to do with the football, and he's not going to create turnovers. I hope that that carries over to this game because if it doesn't, uh, that's a big yikes. Uh, And Drew Locke started practicing this week. So we'll see when he can come back. I don't want him playing this year. They like, have I'm, to. Like, I'm a but fan the- of the Chiefs. I'm a fan of the AFC West. 
and I do not like Mizzou, so I'm automatically just not a fan of Drew Locke, right? Like, if you pay attention to all of that. But for some odd reason, there's a part of me that cannot stand him but still wants to see him find success. Like, I think the traits are there. He just needs to under like catch up with the mental aspect of the game and focus on his technique, on having his feet set when he throws the ball instead of going, I know I can throw from every arm angle or like every position like when I need to, but he needs to understand when to do that and not just doing it because he knows he can do it and just throwing interceptions. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. But I think that they recognize that they're going to have a top eight pick again this year. They're going to need to know if Drew Locke is their guy or not. They, I don't think that they can wait another year. Yeah, but I feel like, I mean, weren't there reports that came out that the Broncos aren't going to be going for a quarterback anyways because they're going to try Drew Locke next year? Yeah, if they sit him all year, but if they bring him in and he's just hot garbage for the last six weeks, five weeks, then I think you know what he what he'll be. Yeah, that's, <coughs> so, that's a good point. Um, I didn't know he was practicing, so I appreciate that nugget. Yeah. Do you um, think he plays? Sorry to keep interrupting you here. I do think he plays. I think eventually he'll play. Oh, so maybe not this week though. But eventually, no, no, this he's season. not going to. I no, I don't. I don't even think he can play this week. I think he has to. They'll sit out one more week before he can go off of IR. Oh I think shit! He, You're right. You're I, right. I don't think he can play until week twelve. Yep. So no matter what, you he's are gonna play completely right. Um, so but I'm going to take the Vikings in this game. I think that the Vikings are not going to have that. Uh oh, moment where you let something slide after a huge win because they recognize they're still a game behind Green Bay and they can't afford to go down two games. So I think it'll be very big for them to just keep pace with the Packers, and the Packers are on bye this week. So they know a win is very valuable to them. So there's that 10.5 Vikings for me. The next game is actually my team, the Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts are three-point favorites at home. Uh, looks like Jacoby Brissett not on the practice or not not on the practice, not on the injury report. Fully practicing, so he will be back. And the Jaguars will be having Nick Foles at center. And I kind of think Nick Foles comes out with just a vengeance this game. I I think that he comes out and has a huge game. Uh, I could see that and then him having a couple letdown games after this, even against lesser opponents, but like just starting out on fire to like make people be like, oh, maybe it was the right choice of sitting Minshew. And the great thing about the Jags right now is everybody's healthy. Like the, obviously the people that are on IR are going to be playing, but like everybody else that was banged up right before the bye where people were missing like Westbrook and DJ Hayden and – um, who else was missing time? Yannick Ngakwe was missing practices. All those guys were making, missing practices and playing, or some of them missing games. They're healthy. I think they're going to get rolling. Uh, Colts, how do they respond after that loss to the Dolphins? That's the big question. And I kind of wish they just didn't lose to the Dolphins because I think that they come out with a little bit more fire than what they have the last couple weeks. But... I mean, I'm going to take the team off of the bye. Yes, it is my team as well, so you can call it a little bit of bias. It is what it is. Uh, I think that Foles is a great leader. I think he's been leading this team even when he hasn't been playing. 
and they're going to be stoked for him to be on the field. So I'm taking Nick Foles and the Jacksonville Jaguars to cover. And I'm going to agree with you. Have we had the opportunity to talk about Foles being named the starter? We did for a little bit, a couple of episodes ago. We did, we spoke for a few minutes about it. Okay. Um. So you really think he just comes out with a vengeance, huh? I think he does this game. I'm not saying like the rest of the year, but I think this particular game, I think he comes out and has a big game. I agree with you. Um, the uh, update on Jacoby Brissett, I feel like I saw something, um, but it has slipped my mind on what it was. Is he playing? He yes, is. he should be back Sunday. That is what I saw. Uh, I don't know if he is in a position. Why are you laughing at me? Because you went and got some water, and I and I went over this as you were getting oh, water. Damn it! <laughs> I tried to listen, but when the water was being poured, I, I missed it. Shit! <laughs> you're good. You're good. Hey, just repeat information. Uh, Jacoby Brissett is playing, as Tree said ten minutes ago. <laughs> I just don't think Brissett's going to be ready to play. So I I agree with you on Foles coming out and ready to light it up. I hope he is healthy. Um, I hope he is completely good to go. Because it's going to be fun to see this offense with an experienced quarterback, a veteran quarterback, and the injury that he went down in that throw was a touchdown, like right on the money in a spot where only his receiver could get it. And now you're putting him back into a game, a division matchup. It's going to be an exciting game. I'm taking the Jacks here. So I'm in complete agreement. Sorry to repeat you. Uh, Let me just keep talking to save myself. Our next game, the – New Orleans Saints are playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa. The Saints are favored by six. Tampa's been just kind of playing everybody tough. Uh, they almost beat the Steelers a couple weeks ago, and now the Saints are coming home or coming to their territory. They're coming to their waters, their pirate ship, um, and the Buccaneers ready to let those kind of those cannons loose. But if you're the Steelers or you're the Saints here, excuse me, you're pissed off about the fact that you just lost to the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons won their Super Bowl of the week. Uh, that's something I want to talk about here as well, Trees. So some of these games last week were a couple Super Bowls for some of these teams, right? Like Atlanta Falcons, I think that was their Super Bowl. The Tennessee Titans, I feel like that could have essentially been a Super Bowl for them. Like just the way they played, it looked like they played with somewhat of a different edge on offense with Tannehill against the Chiefs. I'll break that down here in a couple more games for the Chiefs. Um but the Saints, I think they are pissed off at what happened with the Falcons. They are ready to come back with, you know, just absolute vengeance, kind of like what we just talked about with Foles. But they're going to do it in Tampa. It's a division game. They're just going to smother them say, hey, you know what? We, we need to handle our business. We had a wake-up game. Let's do it here. We win by seven, and we're out of town. Like, we're going back home. That's it. This is strictly a business trip for them. Go in, handle it, pack up, go. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um Lattimore missing this game possibly is big, though. Uh, I think that Mike Evans could have a big game here. But after putting up a goose egg earlier in the year when these two teams played, Mike Evans, it was his first or second game of his career without a catch. So that's big. Uh, But, yeah, the Saints are going to be pissed. They're going to just be rowing all over them. Uh, The only thing I care about this game is is I just want to watch Kamara play. Mm Mm-hmm. It is so strange the way that they're handling him right now. It's them, him and Gurley are being treated very, very strange. Like Gurley, I understand because of everything, but it's almost like the Saints are too afraid that that's going to happen to him. And he's been banged up this year. I understand that, but I don't know if this team can be as successful if he's not getting 
15 carries and six catches a game. He needs 20 touches a game. I think I think this is a week where they start <clears throat> turning that on. Because like the thing with the Saints is like they they're winning games, right? Like they didn't lose a game with Breeze out. They didn't lose a game with Kamara out. Kamara comes back. Okay, let's get him back slowly. Like let's get him accustomed to this. We know we're going to make a deep push into the playoffs. We have a complete team. We are fine. Let's get him ready to go. Let's make sure he is fully healthy and we can start feeding him the rock again. I think this is the game where they do it. Like I said, business trip to Tampa. Let Kamara, let Kamara just figure it out. Get rolling. Get in. Get out. Take the dub. Keep chugging along, right? I think that's what the Saints' plan is. I like your point about Kamara. Uh, Gurley, though, if you're the Rams, like at some point, you got to flip the switch. And I think they are the team standing in the dark trying to find the light switch right now. You know what I mean? They are like padding the wall trying to find the light switch in a dark room, and they don't realize they walked by it three fucking weeks ago. They, hey, they can keep on losing. I mean, please do. Goff, you brought it up last episode when you were solo. That dude is sucking ass. Yeah, he's not it this year. Long term, I still think he is. Not this year. It's just one of those years. Hey, uh, remember that discussion we had at the beginning of the year? Yeah. I mean, don't make me bring up all the other things you were wrong on, man. Hey, nine interceptions, <laughs> 11 touchdowns. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, you, no, you're going to win that bet for sure. 100%. What else am I wrong on? Kyler Murray, what Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson? What are you talking about, Lamar Jackson? I said he's going to be a good quarterback. What the fuck are you talking <laughs> yeah, about? You yeah, you did. And Kyler Murray, you said he wouldn't throw for 3,200 yards. He's already at 2,700. Hey, uh, sorry. Remember the AFC West discussion? I'm not. I'm not. Nope. Nope. Didn't say it. Don't even say anything. Just shut it. Nope, I'm not. Good. I take it back. We're not going to talk I, about that. I retract my statement. Thank you. Yep. You're good. Uh, let's move on to the next game, which is <laughs> a dumpster fire type game, which I talked about last episode with the Jets and the Giants that I absolutely loved and couldn't take my eyes off of it. it there's another one this week, and that's the <laughs> Jets versus the Redskins. It's a car crash. You can't stop fucking yep. looking at it. You Ugh. can't. As much as yep. you want. You're you're slowing down on the freeway. You're like, wait, what what the fuck happened? Let me let me see the damage on the car. Oh, is it is it a teenage girl that was texting and driving? Oh, yep, for sure was. Okay, I see what's going on. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's me. And that's gonna be me on Sunday watching this game. Like, Sam Ugh. Darnold has looked like trash. Like Haskins just has no weapons. I mean he hasn't looked good either, but he still doesn't have weapons. Like, he really doesn't. And the defense just hasn't looked good. God, this game's going to be so awesome, dude. So you're, awesome. you're so right. I'm sorry I was making facial expressions. I didn't mean to distract you if I did. You, you did Sam Donald, though, he had somewhat of a good game last week. I mean, he kind of carried the Jets to that win. Sure, but it was against the Giants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure, but he's playing the fucking Giants. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Haskins, I mean, the only weapon he really has is McLaurin. Um, yeah. If Who's he's feeling healthy, I feel like he's hitting a wall right now. Like, he's hitting that yeah. rookie wall where it's like, holy shit. Like, we still have a lot of football left, and I'm only used to taking somewhat of this beating in college. And now he's taking it every game. So, rookies take time to accumulate to the NFL season. He is going through that right now, I believe, with Haskins. Uh I mean, it's something like, I feel like, I feel bad saying this because I feel as if I've been wishy-washy 
on the situations with Haskins. I don't think he's not going to be good in the NFL, feeling right about it, and then falling for a good preseason game or a good half of preseason football and going, hey, he doesn't look bad. And now he's in the NFL game playing against starters, and he just doesn't look prepared. Like, he just doesn't look ready. So, yeah, I'm still sticking there. Like, he was in a good system in college. He was playing with a lot of premier talent. Uh, and he's just not – it's not transitioned over to the NFL yet if you're the Redskins. And your entire team is not helping at all. In the Jets, their offensive line is bad. Their defense is banged up. Other than that, it's pretty much Sam Darnold don't fucking turn the ball over. But what does he do? Uh, all my receivers ran to the same spot. Now they're all running in different directions instead of running their actual routes. I think I'm going to throw it up to Robbie Anderson, my smallest receiver, and hope to God he can come down with it. Oh, fuck, it is intercepted. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, that was a couple weeks ago against the Dolphins. That's what that scenario was, too. No, so, I mean, if you're Sam Donald in the Jets, like, just don't fuck it up. Like, you can win this game. I am taking the Jets to win uh, by, I think they're definitely going to beat them by a point and a half. I don't care that the Redskins are favored. I think that's horseshit. You're the home team. You suck. So do the Jets. Car crash game. I'm just going to drive by the car crash because I've seen him before. I hope we're okay. I'm going to say a quick prayer, but I've got to <laughs> fucking get home because I need to shit, and I'm driving by. <laughs> I I actually totally agree with you. I am going to take the Jets as well. And another thing I talked about last episode, which I was like, oh, man, there's a safety blanket starting to come back, which was Chris Herndon, and he went on IR yesterday. So that's always fun. <laughs> so got hurt last game. So yay, go. Go, hate to see it. Hate, hate to see it. I mean, man, we haven't had a lot of. We've only picked one different game today, and that I took the Vikings and you took the Broncos. Everything else has been status quo. Crazy. Well, I think I think it's about to change here. So you go first. Falcons versus the Panthers. You got the Panthers led by Christian McCaffrey and only Christian McCaffrey, only weapon on that fucking team. And then you got the Falcons who are going to be without Austin. Hooper this game, which is low keeping the best tight end in football this year. And um Falcons, like you said, coming off of their Super Bowl. Huge win for them. But they're on the road again. And I'm gonna take the Panthers to cover. I think that the Falcons have a history of really struggling against running backs out of the backfield, and that's what M- McCaffrey does best. And so I think there's a big Christian McCaffrey game coming. So give me the Panthers to cover that five point. Well, uh, guess we're not going different here. For some reason, I had a feeling you would pick the Falcons and really trust their defense and kind of what they showed on Sunday against the Saints. But Treese fucking does not. Um, predicting a big game from McCaffrey pretty much stole the words out of my mouth. Yeah, I'm taking the Panthers cover. Sorry to just keep copying. Uh, I know this gets kind of boring. You're just listening to the two dudes talk football and completely agree on everything. At some point, you're like, fucking shut up and say something else than the same thing. But it is it is what it is. The Falcons, they lose Hooper. Secretly bested in the league. I feel like I kind of gave him some praise at the beginning of the year. So glad to see you catch on to that. Um, that was kind of a nice feeling. I appreciate that, Trace. You don't even know it. You are uh, welcome. The Falcons giving up Dan Quinn, giving up defensive coordinator uh, duties to his linebackers coach. What the fuck took you so long to do it? Like, what? <laughs> you know what I mean, you had to listen to everyone go, hey, he's on the hot seat. This team's not playing well. All of his guys are injured. The defense still isn't good. Uh, this was supposed to be a promising season, and it's gone. And he's like, hey, 
Uh, let's just see what maybe my linebackers coach could bring here. Holy shit, we beat the Saints. Like, well, what have you been doing, Dan Quinn? Like, you're an NFL coach. Like, you have to understand at some point, like, we need to swallow our pride and maybe let someone that can bring a different aspect to the game to your team and help you win. Like, you have to realize, I'm sure that's something you're preaching in the locker room. You're preaching in meetings, right? You release someone and go, or you let someone start over another guy. You're like, hey, this is just better for the team. I think this is the good, you know, this will help us in the long run. This is what's best for everyone. At some point, you have to do the same thing as a head coach. I think that's something he slacked with. So it's nice to see him finally admit it and then see them be successful. They played with an edge, you know, on their shoulder, or they played with an edge to themselves, and that was it was nice to see. But the Panthers, eh, they're not happy with their performance with the way that they lost to the Packers. They just kind of got um, abolished there in Lambeau in an eventual snow game. I think this is their redemption game against the Falcons. The Falcons just had the Super Bowl. That is it. Enough of this game. Now our next matchup. The Houston Texans are playing the Ravens, where the Ravens are favored by four. The Ravens are coming off a win against the Patriots and a utter smackling of the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, you talk about an ass-whooping. They bent them over and said, wop, 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 wop. Oh, you're not crying, son? How about another couple whips for you? Wop, wop, wop. Like, that's pretty much what's happened here. So the Ravens are owning the AFC North, like Trees predicted, not me. I thought it would be the Steelers. But the Ravens are just on a roll. Um, They're doing great. The Texans, they got to figure some things out here. This is going to be a game between potential MVPs. And I'm actually going to take the Texans to cover. I have a weird feeling here. I feel like the Ravens are riding high, and the Texans are going, hey, we can do this. Like, let's show where we're at, and it's really going to shake things up. They're coming off a bye week as well. They got an opportunity to rest, extra time to watch the Ravens and kind of see what they're good at and what they're not. And I think they come and cover this game, so I'm excited to see it. Trees, where you at? Sorry to talk for so long. <laughs> you're good. You're good. Uh, I'm going to take – the Ravens to cover this game. I think that this defense is going to have no response for Lamar Jackson. I think that missing J.J. Watt will finally really start to hurt them here. And with the way that plays out, man, we're going to have a 6-4 and four Houston team and then 5-5 five and five teams the rest of the way in this division. So we're going to be heading into the final month and a half of the season, all four teams within one game of each other. It's going to be chaos for the AFC South there. But back to this game specifically, uh, I do like that Houston's coming off of a bye, so I think that that game is going to be a lot closer than expected. But in the end, I just don't know if this Texans team is going to be able to slow down the rushing game of the Ravens. And I kind of feel like the Ravens' defense is starting to learn how to get some pressure on the quarterback and... Uh, We know that Houston's linemen are not the greatest. They've been playing better than I think a lot of people expected this year, but still they're not great. And so I think that uh, Mr. Watson gets hit a few times down the stretch of this game. Right on then. Uh, Our next matchup, we're going to try and get through these a little quicker. Um, Our next matchup, the Cardinals versus the 49ers. The Cardinals have looked good. The the NFC West division has been good. Kind of starting to tighten up a little bit as the 49ers lost to Seattle. Seattle was on a run with potential MVP quarterback Russell Wilson. The Cardinals are just competitive enough to shake things up. 
Um, and I think they cover here. The 49ers just played a tough game. Kittle is not playing as well, and the receivers are just not doing as well. And Kyle Shanahan has expressed his frustration. So I'm actually going to take the Cardinals to cover. I don't think they win. If they do, that's awesome because that just shakes things up even more for the NFC West. And the more close races we have on division winners, the better football is. So I want to see the Cardinals uh, cover and hopefully win. I'm going to take the San Francisco. I'm going to take the 49ers to cover here. And I actually get your points. I mean, it sounds like no Emmanuel Sanders. Kittle's already been rolled out. Uh, Breida's injured. So a lot of things are pointing towards why would the Niners cover. Um, it just feels like one of those games where they'll just be, all right, we'll just get back to the running game, and we're going to just run it down your guys' throat with whatever running back I want to put out on the field. doesn't matter if it's Jeff Wilson, Morstead, or Morstert, however you pronounce his name, uh, Tevin Coleman. Like, it doesn't matter. They're going to just run it down your throat. Absolutely. Um, our next game, the Cincinnati Bengals are traveling to Oakland where the Raiders are favored by 10. And I'm actually going to take the Raiders here. The Bengals just got whopped by the Baltimore Ravens. I've already discussed that. I've already made my sound effects. The numerous spankings that they received. Um, the Raiders are on a roll, though. John Gruden has that offense rolling. The fan base is directly behind them even more than what it was before. Josh Jacobs is having a hell of a season. And that defense, whether it is young they are looking pretty good. They're not looking fantastic. They're not looking great, but they're looking okay good. They're doing just enough to win, and they're doing just enough to create turnovers and wreak havoc. Their pass rush is there. They're doing okay against the run. And if you're playing the Bengals in a team that just sat their starting quarterback, whether A.J. Green is playing or not, um, I think the Raiders find a way to win this game by 10. I also think the Raiders, I mean, Bengals are just – they have no answer at anything. They just can't do anything at this point. Uh, I do like the way that Joe Mixon is, gonna, is starting to run the ball, though, so that's taking pressure off of their rookie quarterback, so that'll be nice. But, again, their defense has no answer. One thing I do want to go back on, I know we're trying to hurry a little bit, but uh, Vernon Hargraves getting picked up by the Texans today. Um, I was pretty upset by that. Um, I just think that the Texans – just keep getting good defensive backs. I mean, they got Conley from Oakland, and now they got him. Um, they're doing a low-key good job of picking up guys like that. Mm-hmm. Now all they have to do is just find a way to contain Lamar Jackson, and this is somewhat of a game. Yeah, given I doubt Hargraves plays to, to on Sunday. I don't see why he wouldn't. Coming He's only missed a week. I mean, his first practice will be tomorrow. So Thursday, Friday, you travel. I mean, two practices. Yeah, he might play. He yeah. might, might not. I don't know. Cover this guy and don't fuck it up. Welcome to the Texans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, let's go off our next game, which is two teams coming off a bye. You don't see that very often where two teams play each other right after a bye week. And that is the New England Patriots versus the Philadelphia Eagles. New England Patriots are three-and-a-half-point favorites, and um, it's pretty easy to take the Patriots because I don't think that the Patriots lose back-to-back -back games very often or off of buys very often. I'm sure that they're coming back, and I'm sure over the bye week, Belichick and Brady came up with this whole new scheme and probably are changing their entire offense and probably like, hey, this is what we're going to be now. We're going to be this type of team, and all of a sudden everybody's going to be expecting like a pass-heavy team, which they kind of have been this year. They'll probably be like, hey, it's November, time to become a run-heavy team. Let's go into like three tight end sets, even though people think we don't have any tight ends. You know, 
all that good stuff. So I'm going to take the Patriots here. Um, I think Edelman probably, in all reality, Edelman probably has a big game against this shitty Philadelphia defense. And I wouldn't be surprised if like Nikhil Harry shows up. He play first. He plays his first game and actually gets some balls thrown to him. Yeah. Um, and I'm actually going to take the Eagles here. Uh, both teams are coming off a bye, like you said, but the Patriots are coming off a loss. Yeah, they're probably pissed. They didn't like the way they lost. But this game is also for Carson Wentz to go, hey, I didn't get to play that Super Bowl game. This is what would have happened if I would have played. I think this is a great opportunity for him to kind of get things rolling. Zach Ertz, he is playing. Am I? Did I have a dream that he got hurt? He's not hurt. He's perfectly fine. I don't know what I'm thinking. That was definitely a dream that I had a couple weeks ago. Um, but I think this is a big Zach Ertz game. I think this is a big opportunity for Wentz to kind of go, hey, it's my time to shine. Let's show them what I got. And I think their defense for the Eagles, that pass rush is what's going to be the difference for them. It hasn't been anything fantastic, but I think it's just enough against Tom Brady to kind of keep him rattled. And I think they find a way to disrupt Edelman and separate that. And then the focus goes to James White and then Keel Harry. And then if you can just hope for a couple mistakes from Brady, a couple turnovers, I think you're in this game. And I think they cover. I hope the Eagles win. But it's going to be really interesting to see how the Patriots respond after losing to a good team and then coming off a bye and playing another decently good team. All right. Uh, that'll be a fun one for us to watch then because I, I honestly did not expect you to say pick of the Eagles, but you brought up some valid points there, so not going to disagree with you fully there. Uh, let's go to the Sunday night game, which is the Chicago Bears versus the Los Angeles Rams, and the Rams are seven-point favorites. Ooh, uh, I don't know, Jim. I'm actually going to take the Bears. Um. Mitchell Trubisky, he didn't make a lot of great plays, but he made enough outside of the pocket to keep things alive and gave his team an opportunity to win, and they did, which is great for them. Mm, excuse me. Now, Jared Goff and the Rams, they've looked pretty shitty. Now, whether this is the girly game on, hey, let's get this rolling, let's figure out what we can do right instead of doing wrong, I think that's going to be good for them. But I just have a feeling the Bears find a way to cover. I think this is a game where their defense steps things up again and they can get turning and rolling in the right direction and somewhat get on back on that competing level instead of just shitting on their quarterback because they already realized his time is up. I think Trubisky realizes that as well, and that might be good for him because now he can play with a fuck-it mindset, right? He can just go, you know what? I don't give a shit. I'm probably not here anyways. Let's just go fucking ball. Maybe that's the best thing for him right now. 100% would be. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to take the Rams. I and I hope I'm wrong. I legit hope the Bears win this game. Obviously, with the Jags having the Rams first round pick, I want the Rams to lose as many games as possible to get a better draft pick there. Um, but I kind of just think that the Rams defense gets after the Bears. And I mean, this is going to be a very low scoring game. This is going to be the classic defensive battle game where you go to work the next day and everybody's like, did you watch that game last night? It was so boring. When really I'm like, that game was fucking awesome. Did you see how they were just shutting down everybody and just like, you know, like the the mind games of offensive coordinator versus defense coordinator and defense is always one step ahead. I, I really enjoy those games. Like the Super Bowl last year. Yeah. I really enjoyed that game. Like I didn't complain about that game for one second. Um, but when it's all said and done, I think that the Rams score at the end of the game to win by seven or eight. So I'll take I'll take the Rams there. Awesome. Um, our next matchup, 
<clears throat> and an opportunity for me to talk about my team and their disappointing loss. The Chiefs are favored by three and a half going to Los Angeles to face the Chargers. I'm just going to do a quick breakdown of what this game was. I already did my huge Twitter thread. I already went back and watched the game, the coach's film, which takes about fucking another hour long because you're watching the play twice. Um, <clears throat> and I'm glad I did it because, <clears throat> excuse me here, I'm just coughing and drinking water and just, just shit. Um, but I'm glad that I got to go back and watch this game. This game really showed me how close an NFL game is and like how every moment counts. I know that sounds like really cliche and kind of silly because of course it's an NFL game, but it was like at a point where you're watching the game and you're just sitting here thinking like the chiefs have got to be up by like 20 at this point and they're not, they're only up by like six. They're only up by five. You know what I mean? Or this, uh, the Titans are winning by three and you're just kind of like, how? Like Patrick Mahomes is just making all these plays and he's just looking great. Like he's just Patrick Mahomes is back and you're excited and you're seeing a, a lot of successful plays and then a drive just dies out. And then you get to the end of the game and there's a missed extra point um, and a great drive by Patrick Mahomes to get the team down the field. They go in and there's a false snap from the center on a field goal exchange. Dustin Colquitt throws the ball away, gets intentional grounding, um, Titans get the ball back plus an extra five, 10 yards, whatever the penalty is. And then they go down and score. And you're like, well, shit. Now the chiefs have to like, you know, get the ball back down the field. And well, they do. And then they go kick a, like, you know what I mean? They score a touchdown, which is good. Um, the Titans get the ball back. Chiefs get a stop. Chiefs go down, get ready to score. They fuck it up. And then the Titans get the ball back and they go all the way down the field. And they score. And you're just kind of sitting here going, what like what happened on this drive? As I'm watching the game, I'm starting to know different personnel on different situations. The last couple of weeks, I've been praising the Chiefs and T. Spagnola on how they've maybe figured that out and kind of, you know, got a well-oiled machine ready to go and they're ready to hit the drag strip, right? They are ready to race. Well, it seems like just before the race, they go, hey, let's maybe try this or that. And will this or that cost you the game? Because of this or that, missed a tackle, missed a read, couldn't cover, didn't hit the quarterback, made an initial, uh, I think he's going to slide. Well, that motherfucker lowered his shoulder and ran you over for a first down. And then goes down and throws a game-winning touchdown. The Chiefs not calling a timeout in that situation on that last play where the Titans scored. Um, I really don't understand why they did that. It looked like Chris Jones, I, put the, I pointed this out on my Twitter as well, where it looks like Chris Jones is asking to call a timeout. Like, hey, can we call a timeout? Can we call a timeout? And they're like, no. Well, Chris Jones goes about his pass rush, almost gets the sack. But at some point, it's like he almost gives up on the play. It looks like he just stops. And then he almost gets the sack. But by the time he gets there, Tannehill's already thrown the ball across the middle. And boom, they get a touchdown. Chiefs go down the field. <clears throat> You're like, holy shit, Patrick Mahomes is about to do it. Chiefs are going to tie this game. Right? And, well, son of a bitch from the Titans is going, hey, I kind of realized how they fucked up that last snap because the moment Dustin Colquitt turns his head back to the center, that center's going a hike. Yeah, snap, here it comes. Snap, hold, kick, boom, it's good. Chiefs tied game. Uh, nope. Dustin Colquitt turns his head. This guy goes, oh, I already beat you to it. I'm here. The moment that Winchester drops his head to snap and like move, I watched this play like probably 25 fucking times trying to time it. And it's literally the moment Dustin Colquitt's head turns that, like, you just hear pop in his neck, 
you can look at the defender and he's already got his jump at the same time as the head is turned and the ball's been moved. He times it fucking perfectly. And then what makes it even kind of cooler, if you're a Titans fan, is that this son of a bitch jumps, like almost over jumps it, takes that left arm and just like swim moves it back like he's in water and just swats that son of a bitch out of the air. Blocks the kick, Titans win the game. I'm sitting there in fucking Hooters in Memphis going, what the fuck happened? I slap a table. I look at my waitress. I said, I'm leaving. Mr. Miller paid the bill like he does because he's a really nice guy. And I was pissed off the rest of the way home. That was pretty much my attitude to that game um, in Memphis. The reason we watched it at Hooters, because like I said on Beale Street, um, it's an old town city, great nightlife. None of those fucking restaurants have TVs in them. And so we had to walk away from Beale Street, saw Hooters, jumped into it, and watched the game. Not anything exciting is going on. Uh, Hooters in Memphis, kind of disappointing. But Chiefs lose the game. Very disappointing time. And that's it. So now to this game. Trees, go ahead. Do you want to say something? I'm sorry. I'm just rambling on here. No, you're good. I was just going to say all Hooters are disappointing. It's not just the one in Memphis. <laughs> <laughs> I, I usually don't go to Hooters. I'm not much of a Hooters guy. Me either. Me either. I've been to like three in my life. And I'm like, yeah, this – this the service is shitty the food is shitty the TVs aren't <laughs> high quality why the fuck am i here the, the only thing that's nice is the beer is cold that's about the only part that i like yeah yeah i mean yep. you're right ding 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 uh and the chiefs lost ding ding yeah so that was pretty much my kind of recap of the game the chiefs had an opportunity to win missed tackles lost it uh a fumble that got turned into a touchdown for the titans that lost it and then just i don't know Special team situational awareness is what lost them the game. So those three things can make a difference. The Chiefs lose Ogbaugh. That's a big hit to their defense, but I think this is an opportunity for Tano Passino to really earn that starting role and keep moving forward. I think Okafor will be coming back soon. But this Chiefs defense, they just got Frank Clark back. He needs to get things rolling again. He needs to start playing more aggressive. He admitted it, that they came out and played soft on that last drive. But the offense looked fine. They got a couple injuries to the offensive line. They'll come back. Once they get that lined out, they're good. Like Patrick Mahomes is fine. Their weapons are fine. You get that offensive line healthy. You get your defense refigured out. You fix the this or that that you changed right before the race. You go back to it. You get Fuller back. Your defense is set. They're back and returned. You're fine. You're still in the lead of the AFC West. Now you're about to play the Chargers in Los Angeles. You're pissed off at the way you lost. Patrick Mahomes cannot believe that he threw for 446 yards, was 36 for 50, three touchdowns and no interceptions, and you fucking lost. So, hey, let's go be 30 for 37, 362 yards and five touchdowns, and let our defense just pick off Phillip Rivers, who is shot putting things across the middle of the field, and leave with a win. That's it. That's all you need. So Kansas City favored by three and a half, favoring them by eight. Let's go. Uh, I'm also going to take Kansas City here, so we'll move on from that part. But I do have a question on this. What the fuck is load management in, in football? Damn it. Tell me, tell me what this is referring to. It's referring to LaShawn McCoy being inactive and them saying it was load management that they'd planned this. They'd had it planned for three weeks that he was going to sit out this game. Do you know what it also stands for? Stop fumbling the football because you're going to be inactive. Uh, Ding, ding, ding. And it also stands for, hey, 
Darrell Williams hasn't looked bad. Damian Wilson has been explosive. And Darwin Thompson, a rookie that we drafted out of Utah State, has been looking pretty good in practice. They, I think the Chiefs' part of their defense here was overlooking the Titans, overlooking Tannehill. And Tannehill comes into this game fighting for a job and earning the respect of his team. And that's what this game was. And Derrick Henry, fuck me. Um, I go, this guy's been running with tree trunks. I said it on the podcast solo. I felt pretty good about it. And then I say it in the car to Matt and Mello, um, and they both laugh at me going like, I don't know. I think he's a pretty good running back. Um, so we're watching the game, and he breaks off the run, and they both turn to me, and they look at me pissed off. They're like, this is your fucking fault. So I'm already beating myself up at the fact that the Chiefs are losing. And then Derrick Henry goes on for a 68-yard rush for a touchdown. I mean, you should just talk about a shitty time. Yeah, just not a good time. <laughs> it just was. But this load management, um, it's really just like keeps making mistakes. Let's get him some rest. We're fine. This is a lookover game. Shit, we lost it. Um, but they're fine. The Chiefs are fine. Yeah, they are fine. Because well, when McCoy comes in and plays in the playoffs, he's going to be pretty explosive. And he's going to be a game changer. Let's just hope you get to the playoffs. Let's just hope that the game changer is not another fumble. So... You son of a gun. You son of a bitch. <laughs> All right. Well, that does it for us. I'm excited yep. to go watch some football this weekend. It's going to be some crazy college games, some crazy crazy NFL games. Whatever your plans are this weekend, everyone, cancel all of them. Your job is to sit on the couch Saturday and Sunday, watch football the entire time. That's your guys' job. That's, our, that's what we're going to be doing. That's for damn sure. Actually, I have a tailgate, but I'll be watching football at least and drinking a lot. Um, Other than that, though, thanks for joining us. Tonight, we've been talking football.